so in a moment, we're going to take you live to um, the uh, State Capture Commission of Inquiry. Before we do that, however, we're going to be taking a look at this particular story, and that is around the professionalization of the public service at the public consultation process. This is on the national implementation framework towards the professionalization of the public service has officially been launched. Now you can remember that last year the framework was released for comments and it's aimed at creating a system of professionalism in the public service. Well, Busani Ngaweni is the principal of the National School of Government. Busani, good morning to Morning, Kathy, and morning to your listeners. Firstly, talk to us about what this current process is. Okay, my thanks, Kathy. So, as you indicated last year, Cabinet approved the draft uh, professionalization framework in November. It was granted in December for public comment. So, we have been receiving comments since December last year, and last week and this week, we've got structured uh, conversations with various stakeholders and interested parties and professional uh, bodies who are giving input onto the program that we are running at the National School of Government on behalf of the MPSA portfolio. The idea is that we, as National Development Plan does indicate, in fact, even the Constitution says so, is to find ways of dealing with how public servants deal with the public. So the first part of professionalization such that when you go to a frontline office, you go home satisfied that you were treated with courtesy, you were treated, you know, you were not uh, abused by the public servants who you met, and you'll be able to go home and say, I had a professional service today at this particular frontline office because of the manner in which they treated you. That is even before they did the second part of the professionalization, which is the quality of the service that you receive. And the quality of the service is now linked to the competence of the person who was giving you that service. So it's one thing being treated very well in an office and it's something else going home receiving a short service because maybe you were given wrong medication or you were given a, you know any other thing that you were supposed to receive mm. was just so bad that it wasn't helpful to you. And so that's what professionalization is about, making sure that we improve the quality of, 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 of services that are given to the people, but also that we must treat the public with care as the constitution provides. Now, I, w- I would say, Busani, that just based on what we uh, hear from ordinary South Africans, work is, is needed on both fronts uh, for the public service. What is the implementation of this national implementation framework? What difference is that going to make? Okay, there's various proposals being made on the fr- on the framework. Some of them will happen in the you know short term, others medium, others will happen in the in the long term. So I'll give you you know an example in no particular order. For example, if you professionalize people who work in legal services in government, regardless of the position they hold, it might be that in the in the medium term, many of them will master statecraft to the extent that you eliminate the consulting fees where. Katie takes a stapler home, Katie then goes into a hearing, the stapler costs 30 rand, and they hire a senior candidate for 30,000 rand to chair a, a hearing, you know, a disciplinary mm-hmm. hearing. Because you must build the capabilities of those who work, I'm making this one example, in legal services, such that they can draft the heads of arguments, so that they can also even appear you know, in court as professionals, so that those who work in legal services in government, they actually become recognized legal practitioners who can appear in court, who can drive heads of arguments and so on. As you know, Katie, all health workers 
they must belong to a professional association, all of them. And sometimes if we don't, we are unable to take discipline, disciplinary measures against them, you know, promptly, you may find that the professional body they belong to is already taking them through the process. So we are raising the bar if you make a proposal that some of the people who work in essential you know, functions within government need to belong to professional bodies, professional associations, because if you're a CFO, you squander the resources. If it takes long for a department to process you, already professional associations like SICA can be processing you, and we've seen it mm. happen. So what it does, it gives you, one, an ability to be part of a community of practice. It deepens your statecraft. It also deals with issues of consequence management over and above what happens within the department where we are employed. Busani, there are those who argue that the professionalization of the public service is near impossible for as long as we have a system of cadre deployment and where often people are put in positions, in especially uh, senior positions, due to their political affiliations and not necessarily uh, where you have a system of meritocracy that's in place. So uh, the cadre deployment is a worldwide system. There's nothing wrong with it. What is wrong is two things in a cadre deployment system. What is wrong is that there is no if if the decision to employ is a, is on the discretion of an individual, then there is no transparency. There is no process. You then risk having someone who is not fit for purpose. So cadre deployment is not an issue on condition it's not based on a discretion of a single individual which means it must be transparent you must follow a process and then second and most importantly it's got to be fit for purpose so that you don't employ a wrong person so one of the things we are proposing in the framework is when people are employed especially those in senior management service you mustn't just assess whether the person uh, you know, do what is called a competency assessment. We need, it must be occupation-based. So if you're an engineer, you must actually do the test that, sh- that shows before you enter the system whether or not you're a competent engineer. Now, you may as well be actually a secretary of a region or of a branch or what have you, but matters is whether or not there is fit for purpose. Because once you put that and you make it, um, you know, law and it is transparent, it then becomes easy to know that that person who's appointed there is there in the first instance because the person qualifies to be there. So we have to yeah. build those mechanisms. One of the other things we are proposing is that there must be integrity tests in the public service. When you want to become a police constable, you do an integrity test. If you want to become a CFO in government, you don't do an integrity test. So part of what is being proposed in the framework is that we must introduce such things as integrity tests as part of the filtering through the system. And once people are inside, there are other measures that have been proposed as well. One of the the issues that has been highlighted in the latest reports coming out of the National Planning Commission has been around the the capacity and the capability of the state. And in fact, one of their findings is that, you know, there aren't enough people who are qualified to do their jobs in government right now to help us make sure that we meet some of the targets that have been set down in the NDP. Does, do we have an actual you know, a number? Do we have research that shows us exactly how undercapacitated the state is right now, at least from, from the perspective as, uh, of the School of Governance, so that as you work, you know exactly where the gaps lie? Uh, our understanding of where the gaps are 
market is uh, based on the reports, especially from the from the AG, and we have a, an MOU with the AG, so we, we have a sense of where the biggest faults you know, lined are within the public service. Number one, in no particular order, they are within HR. So if you professionalize the HR profession or practice in the public sector, it means the HR professionals who are the one who draft the specs, who handle the applications, and the entire value chain of recruitment and so on. In many cases, the AG will say this department got a qualified audit because the HR processes, the given prescripts were not followed. It, it is right within the HR space where you may end up having a wrong person being hired because of the manner in which the specifications were drafted. So it's in an HR area. Secondly, it's in finance and supply chain. Hence, we are proposing intervention to strengthen the capacity of supply chain professionals as well as those who are in finance, working with the AG, Treasury, and other uh, institutions. Because we have to professionalize this idea that we are a supply chain management official because they, and also there must be consequences uh, for managing it. In supply chain, it must not be about Katie submitting an invoice and it's signed because we have delivered. We must build the capability of the people in supply chain such that they, can, they understand the trends in the market, they're able to negotiate prices and get the best deal actually for the department that they work for, as is the case in other spheres of life as well. That's the kind of a competence you need to build in HR, in, in, in supply chain and in finance. And the next one, which is the biggest, is in project management. You, 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 the, most of the time, even when money is not stolen, and there are many instances where money is not stolen, but money gets wasted because there was poor project management. A billion rand is spent to build a bridge. There is poor project management. It was poorly planned in the first instance. Even if the person won the tender, when won it. Fair, fair and square, but because there is no capacity to do the project management, then you have the problem. So we will be intervening as National School of Government, working with other experts in the area by later this year, actually beginning to roll out a call. This will be focusing on what we call execution diligence. It's where you train people in each and every department to become project managers at a very high level, where they can design a project and, and, and manage the execution of that project on budget, on time, and according to specifications. That is the biggest area where we need to be investing, apart from the ethics, managing finances, managing HR, and so on. It could be some time yet before you're able to get to a comfortable place where, um, you know, where, where you're able to get this all right in terms of um, the public service. What is going to happen as you try to professionalize the service? Does that mean that the people that are currently there who don't meet whether it's basic requirements over qualifications, etc., are those going to be kicked out? Does it mean that the same people who've pre- pre- presided over the dysfunctional system are then going to be upskilled, as it's often called, and then, you know, that, they, that they'll be hope that they'll begin to do things differently? Uh, you know, one thing, fortunately, that is happening, at least I speak from our perspective as a national school of government, that we are seeing public servants being excited with the idea of returning to the, sim- returning to the simulator. And that is how, how I characterize it, that public servants must be like pilots, return to the simulator to recalibrate your skills. Public servants are aware that if they work in IT, the fact that you, 10 years ago, it was important for you to build a server in a department. Today, we are more than just about a server. And so people are trying, are, are, are upskilling themselves, 
are registered in the type of causes, not only that deal with issues of governance and ethics and anti-corruption, but also that deepen their ability to to acquire, you know, they must acquire the new skill in order for them to do work better. So many people are studying big data, you know, they are building algorithms, they are building cloud, they are going for project management courses and other advanced type of courses. So I'm very optimistic that we will, we are going to build a critical mass of public servants who master statecraft, who are like pilots who return to the simulator from time to time, who will execute projects with the diligence required because it doesn't matter whether it's a project of a, of a million rand or a project of a billion rand, you have to manage that as a steward with the same level of diligence and care because that money is not yours. In aviation, whether we are flying from Johannesburg to Nelspreet, we are flying from Johannesburg to Hong Kong, the principles involved in planning and executing that aircraft are the same. So in government, we need to actually follow this very same principle, that it doesn't matter the size of a project, the amount of diligence and care you must apply has to be outstanding, and it's possible. What excites me is these young people who are coming into the public service who've got all manner of these new type of skills, you know, your, your industry for all skills. They are coming to the public service, they are enthusiastic, and they choose the public sector as an employer of first, of first choice. And these are the people who are going to be transforming the system with a new skill. I know a department of, in Gauteng that employs drone pilots, young people who are using drones to monitor construction projects, working for a government department. I know young people across the road where I am at the of trade and industry who was built this, uh, this uh, you know, this e-business e- system, which was built by young people who went there. And there's many others. So they are pushing, you know, innovation within the public service. All you must do is open space for them, give them sufficient training. And then for the old people who are not, you know, moving, uh, who are taking things slow and so on, uh, you know, they must, we must take them back into the simulator, train them, reskill them so that they can do uh, better. But there is pressure for people to do better. And the public outrage around how the public is providing services is also good because people must feel the pressure and they mustn't be complacent. The reality is, Busani, you know, as, as the National School of Governance, you can have good intentions about what you would like to see uh, coming out of the public service, but um, you also have people who are benefiting from the dysfunctionality that currently exists. So the fact that, um, you know, there are certain systems that are not in place serve certain people because that means that they can continue to loot state coffers and I would imagine that, you know, the process of professionalizing the public service is not as easy as you're making it sound. Definitely, it is not easy. Um, it took the Chinese 1,000 years uh, to build a meritocratic system. You know, it, it took a thousand years. In, in Europe, it took a, a, a generation, a whole generation after the Second World War to rebuild the public service. In Japan, it took their humiliation after the war to rebuild, but they were also benefiting because in the region in general, there's Confucianism, uh, which had an, an impact and influence, you know, nation formation and state craft within the whole Asian region. So it is going to take time, I must, uh, you know, confess, but we are excited that there are already signs that there are people who are willing to do their job and do it on time, on budget, according to specification, without disadvantaging the public. And those are the people we must affirm because those are the change agents. Whilst the mechanisms for consequence management, dealing with the rot, you know, must also be dealt with, uh, you know, as speedily as we can. 
and you know whether it's the public service commission or the siu or other organs of state we are fully aware that there is work happening in that regard our responsibility in this instance is to open up learning opportunities in fact the motto of the national school of Mm -hmm. government is learn self grow all right. Uh, Busani, let's leave it there for today. Busani Ngaweni is the principal of the National School of Government and that consultation process is open. You know, it kicked off on the 15th of February. It will be open until the 26th of this month. It's just after 10.30. Utsile Sako standing by with the news.